Welcome to another edition of Women Winning Their Way. I'm your host, Clara Capano. Got a question for you. How healthy are you? But you know what? I want to actually change that. And now I want you to ask you, how well are you? Because you see, there's a big difference between being healthy and being well. And so many times we chase health, but we don't understand that that chase actually keeps us from true wellness. Well, not to fear, because today we have an expert in this field, and we are going to bring on Leanna Nielsen, and she is an expert in the wellness field, and she has a pretty amazing story of how she followed her path and then realized she needed to pivot. And you know, as women in business, it's all about the pivot. We can be on one path, and sometimes we need to go the other way. And remember, that's what we're talking about on this show. We are here to talk about how to create success all on our terms. So, Leanna, welcome to the stage. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Absolutely. So before we dive into your story, um, just give us a brief overview of kind of who you are and what you do so our, our followers can learn a little bit more about you. Sure. I'm an integrative nutrition, health, and wellness coach. I'm certified. I came to this sort of through my own health journey. And these days I do one-on-one coaching, which is all about, there's some nutrition, but it's wellness. Like you said, we look at sleep, we look at stress, we look at, you know, our relationship to our thoughts and ourselves, really a really big balanced look at, you know, your connection to your body and what you specifically need. And then I run group programs for women who have complicated relationship with food and their body. Maybe it's autoimmune, maybe it's weight, maybe it's disordered eating. And I create community around healing together. I love that. And, you know, so many of us need to focus. And I would say, you know, if one, you know, good thing came out of the pandemic, I think people started paying attention to it more, but I still think that there is so much more to learn. And I know, um, you know, recovering at a young age, I had an eating disorder and that has always messed up my relationship, you know, with food and learning that, you know, food is fuel and there's mm-hmm. a way to still enjoy it and bring it in moderation. But again, to really get in alignment with our mental as well as our physical wellness. Yeah. So I want to dive in a little bit because So many times on the show, I have the typical overachiever and that person who has that drive and goes for it. And sometimes I think we get a bad rap, but there's some good things to that. Now, as a child, you actually got a passion for acting and you follow that passion where, you know, on some of the stories, that's the story. It's follow your heart and go for your passion. You did that. And then you realized Hmm, maybe not so much. So tell us a little bit about your journey on following your passion, but how you also came to recognize you needed to pivot. Well, it was so funny. I, my mom was always putting me in dance and gymnastics and all these things when I was little. And you'll watch these videos of me and I'll be on stage, but I just want to hang out. I'm like barely dancing. I love the costume. I'm just kind of a ham. Like all the other girls are doing the moves. I'm like kind of there, but I'm just like, guys, this fun. Mm -hmm. And I remember in college, I met this guy and he was post graduation going to move to LA and become a comedian. And I was like, wait, you can just like do that. And I started me, I had done acting camp a little bit as a kid. My aunt had been an actress, but it wasn't something I was really encouraged to do as a kid. My mom got her MBA at Berkeley. So she's like, you're going to do that too. You'll study business like I did. And like, I literally did not have that brain. And I remember towards the end of college, I started taking more and more acting classes. And then I moved to New York and I got a job at a hedge fund, but immediately started taking uh, acting classes at night. And I was so in love with it. And about a year in, I sort of had to like come out to my parents and I'm like, guys, I have this thing that I love so much. And it was just the only thing I wanted to do. I could not sit at a desk. So they were, they weren't thrilled, (laughs) but you know, what are you going to do at this point? I'm like in my twenties and I just went for it. I went back to school. It was the most beautiful 14 years of my life. Like I really, really, I mean, there were highs and lows. I had movies that went to Sundance. I did TV, commercial film. And it's funny because you have this idea, especially when you have these dreams so young of what an acting career is going to be like, Mm -hmm. right? And it's kind of a pain in the butt, right? It's a hustle, you're auditioning, 
even when you get really good jobs, sometimes they, they're not that good. You have crazy hours. They're telling you what to say and what to do. And it was this funny thing of like, oh, I remember like doing the red carpet at Sundance and then a week later being back at my like part-time bartending job and being like, wait, this is more- it's Not always as glamorous as people think it is, the road to no. get there. No, and it's like, you you see what's going on with the strike. It's like, you just don't get paid as much as you think. And sometimes there's a long time in between jobs, driving all these other jobs. So I was a working actor and it's not glamorous. You are not, unless you're like Angelina Jolie and you're up there and you, it, it's a lot of hard work and it was so beautiful, but it was frustrating. And as a highly sensitive person, I'm running around New York. I'm having sort of late night bartending jobs. I'm stressed. I'm auditioning all the time. And I remember reading once they talked about an audition being an equivalent to a minor car accident for your nervous system. So here, I'm, here I am as like a highly sensitive kid who is running around, drinking too much caffeine, not getting enough sleep, getting into car accidents all week. Mm -hmm. And my system started to break down. So my late 20s, all of a sudden, I'm having fatigue issues. I'm having gut issues and allergy issues. And it, start, it starts slowly. I'm having mental health issues, depression, anxiety. And I had also suffered from an eating disorder. It started in college and I sort of ebbed and flowed and I really try to get a handle on it. But when you go out for modeling calls and you know maybe you're not the skinniest or they tell you to lose weight, like it really isn't the nicest career if you have a rough relationship with your body and food. So there was stress around that. And by the eight, time I was like 27, 28, I had all of these problems. I had fatigue issues. My intestines were bleeding. My hair was falling out. I didn't have my period. Like the list went on and on. And I was seeing all of these different doctors and everyone's just telling me it's in your head or it's not that big of a deal or come back in a year when it gets worse. Mm -hmm. And I just am like laid out being like, it's got to, life has got to be not this hard. Like I'm not even 30. Like if, how do people have kids? Like, what is this? Mm -hmm. And I started doing a lot of research and reading and playing around with my diet and stress management and meditation. And all of a sudden, these small things were making really big differences. And I became so just excited about the mind-body connection and how the gut affects the brain and how when you change your diet a little bit, certain things happen. And I would be on set, right, in between takes, talking to people in the green room about, well, your microbiome and when you have vegetables, this happens and your blood sugar. And then they're like, you have to go back to set. And I'm like, oh, no, really? I want to stop just for a moment, you know, because yeah. you're, you're really leaning into so many great concepts. You know, a lot of the people watching the show are busy professional women. And I'm hearing what you're saying is, you know, it doesn't have to be even the acting. So many of us are running from one thing to the other and we're doing exactly what you said. We're grabbing something over here. We're grabbing Starbucks three or four times yeah. a day. All of these things. But you made a comment. And you said you started making some small changes, but started seeing some big payoffs. Can you share maybe what were some of the small things that you did? Because I think we have to remember, it doesn't mean all of a sudden I have to wake up tomorrow and completely cut something out. Sometimes it's in those little tweaks that end up making the big shifts. So what were some of the small changes that you saw impacting you? Well, I did have to kind of play around with my diet for a bit, but I realized when I didn't do dairy and I didn't do much gluten, my body felt very different. My brain was very different. My digestion was really different. That affected how I felt in my body. So that affected my mental health. So literally, you know, cutting the cheese here and there, I was like, oh, this is profound what happens when I like don't put cheese on things or I don't have milk in my coffee. Like this is crazy. And then sleep, that was a really big deal. When I really started to regulate sleep more, that affected my cravings, affected my energy, which affected my relationship to exercise. So these little tweaks here and there, all of a sudden, like you're making these small moves like higher and higher in terms in terms of health and wellness. And then you have more energy for the next thing. So a little bit of diet stuff, a little bit of a lot of you know looking at sleep. But again, just adjusting hours, making sure I got better quality sleep, mm -hmm. and then really looking at how I dealt with stress. So starting to play around with like a few minutes of med meditation, really small things like that. So how do you, because I see so many people struggling with sleep, you know, and again, because our, like, I even had this happen the other night. Now I sleep overall, I sleep pretty well, but I lay down, I was so tired but then the brain starts going, you know? So what were, what are maybe, you know, a couple tips that, you know, helped you to get better sleep? Well, you know, getting off your phone earlier is really helpful because 
even often you can't even manage when you're getting work emails. Sometimes, you know, you'll get all these notifications and you think you're winding down and all of a sudden you're working again, or you're worried about something. So trying to put your, your phone to bed a bit earlier um, is something that I really, really feel like is a big deal for all of my clients. I'm a big fan of magnesium glycinate. Um, most people who are running on empty magnesium is something that's incredibly important in the body. You know, you can get it over the counter. Glycinate is the best for sleep. If you're at all stressed or have been chronically stressed for a while, it really helps quality of sleep. So that's it. That's a nice hack, especially if you're someone who, you know, has been leaning on melatonin or sleeping pills, that's actually healthier in terms of quality. Mm -hmm. And then I think meditation is one of the most Whenever I do an interview, whenever I write an article, people are like, what's the one thing? And I'm like, meditate, 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 because you start to, instead of like going into those anxiety spirals, you start to train your brain in a way where you notice that happening and you can choose a different way of thinking and feeling. And you can start, I always tell, because no one likes it. Everyone's like, I'm the only person that can't do it. I'm bad at it. I hate it. You and everyone else. You and everyone else. So I tell people in the beginning, three to five minutes find someone's voice that you like, do it laying down in bed and just try to pay attention for the three to five minutes. That's it. And the interesting thing is what you're doing over time is you're, you're kind of, it's almost like lifting weights in your brain where you're focusing and focusing and focusing and you're able to choose thoughts a little bit better and notice when you're spiraling and getting anxious and ruminating and being like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. This is not helping me fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And, and they're amazing meditations for sleep and breathing. And, and a, a beautiful thing a lot of my clients do are body scans. So taking deep breaths and just really thinking about like relaxing all the parts of your body all the way down. So just taking a couple minutes to do that. Or another really beautiful thing is like a hot shower or a bath. Something okay. where you're just thinking about like washing the day off, taking a few deep breaths and kind of like resetting. Because I think yeah. it's really hard to put like work and social life away, especially when you take your phone to bed. Definitely. And, you know, I started because I was one of those people that were like, oh, it doesn't work for me. And like you said, a few minutes. And now what I've done is I have found, you know, some of those people. Headspace has some great things. Um, Fit On, which is an exercise app. Um, they have some free meditations, even just YouTube. I've sent yeah. a lot of oh, my you friends. You so many free people. ones on YouTube. I, I just have a thing. Yeah. yeah. So again, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. No. So now let's come back. So again, you worked for hedge funds. You were doing the acting thing. All of a sudden you're like, ooh, this wellness piece is really intriguing me. But yeah. it's one thing to kind of show up and do it as a hobby. And it's a whole other thing to jump ship and you know start a whole business doing that. So you know, there's a lot of women out there who, whether it's health, wellness, coaching, whatever it is, they're like, okay, well, you know, I'm almost 30. Isn't it too late for me to switch? I've spent all this time and effort, you know, can I just, you know, chalk it up and go forward? So talk to me a little bit about how you went through the mental as well as the physical aspect of transitioning from one career. Cause it wasn't a company. It was completely different careers. Yes. Yeah. So I, while I was still doing, it was like, I was doing a million things. I was still acting. So I was getting work there, but that's sort of intermittent, right? I have like a part, I've had a ton of part-time jobs from bartending to working at startups. So I was doing a lot of that kind of thing, but I was so passionate. And I think that sometimes it seems almost like magical, right? When you're really, really passionate about something, you're meant to do it. Things align in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, a couple of years into my healing journey where I'm reading everything I can read. I talked to this nurse practitioner. I was like, oh, I think you'd be a really good candidate for this one nutrition program. And I remember I ran into another girl who had gone there and loved it. And then I did a call with them and it was great. And then the craziest thing happened. I booked a commercial that was for the exact same amount of money as the tuition. And I was like, okay, this is, I guess this is a sign. And it was good. It was like mostly online. So it was a part-time program. So I did that for a couple of years. And then they have you coaching for free before you're even done. Okay. I was out in my community just offering for free. And I think in the beginning when you are starting a new thing, it's creative. If you can, like really try to put yourself out there and give, 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 give. Mm -hmm. So by the time I had graduated, I had a little bit of a reputation in my community already in New York for this stuff. And because I loved it so much, I just wanted to do it all the time. And I remember I was was helping just assist at this. It was a... This big Broadway producer was doing a writing workshop. And there's probably 40 people in the room. 
And she, they're all doing writing projects and it's like a part-time job. So I'm helping like run this workshop. And in the morning I was journaling and journaling a and I just, one day I came up with this like 12 week course for acting. Cause I was still acting. So I was like, this really is going to help creative people. It's really good for like productivity and all those things, which honestly is the basis of what I do now, like 10 years later, which is so wild. But it was this idea of like how we treat our bodies affects how we show up in every area of our life. And as actors, right? Like how you think and feel in your body, is especially important, but anything you do, even like being a mom, that's incredibly important. So I'd outlined this thing. I was facilitating this, this class. And at the end of like the five weeks or something that what the director was like, made everyone go around the room and share. And I had to been doing writing exercises in the downtime. And she goes to me and she's like, what have you been doing? And I was like, oh, it's not the same because they're all doing screenplays, right? So she's like, no, no, share. So I share this 12-week program with a bunch of writers and actors. And she looks around the room and she's like, who would take this class? And everyone was like, <laughs> oh, no. And she was so cute. She was like, you need to pitch this class to the woman who owns the studio. And she's like, I'm going to make you. So I did. And the woman was like, 12 weeks? I don't know about that. But I'll give you a two-hour workshop. So from that two-hour workshop, there's one person in that workshop was like, I need to introduce you to the head of this acting school. He's going to like die for you. So I had a meeting with this guy and he was like, loved my story, loved what I was doing and was like, do you by, by chance, if I were to give you a class, know what you would teach? And I was like, I actually do have a 12 week program. And it was just one of those things where, again, it was part time early on. So for a while I did both. And I, you know, it, I got a lot, of, I would guest lecture at NYU sometimes in their like vocal performance. I was asked to speak. And I just word of mouth started to grow into both careers for a long time. Yeah. And then the pandemic hit. And ah, the good old pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. And it was so interesting because my business sort of, I was putting a lot into it, but I didn't even feel like I was. It was almost like I loved it so much. I was, I was like a a release and acting was feeling such a grind because you're running around all day, getting up at crazy hours, you're getting disappointed a lot. So I didn't even realize how much I was getting burnt out on acting and how much I really just fell in love with helping empower and helping women heal and empower. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're doing men too, but like the, the groups of the women, it was just so exciting. And it was so interesting because with the pandemic, all production stuff, right. You think about like big sets, there's so many people, there's nothing. And it was yeah. the first time in 14 years where I had, wasn't auditioning. There's just nothing. It was silence and i was like whoa i did not realize how much i needed this break because like especially living in new york for a long time it's like hustle 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 Mm -hmm. and then we were having such a global mental and physical health crisis that basically anyone who had ever been a student or a client all of a sudden was reaching out to me and i and you know i know it had money like and so i was doing a lot of stuff pro bono i really cut my prices and i was just like we're all at home like how can i give back like this is such a scary time so it was the first time in my life that it just felt like fate intervened, but it was the first time in my life that like, I wasn't acting at all. Didn't miss it for a second, which was shocking to me because it was my childhood dream. And then all of a sudden I have a full roster of clients and I'm just getting to help all day. And I was like, Whoa, this is, and I had an existential crisis. I actually had to work with a therapist at one point because I, I like took a break from my agent, my manager. I told everyone like, you know, I'm not comfortable in COVID and a lot of actors were doing that. And I was like, I think I never want to go back. (laughs) And then I remember like six or eight months, I like talked to a therapist because I was having a lot of like identity issues and ego and I was afraid. And you work really, really hard to establish yourself. It's hard. And it really helps me admit to myself because I think it's really, really hard when you have this one idea, the self-concept that is so strong. You're like, this is who I am. And I fought Mm -hmm. so hard for it. What are people going to think? They're going to think I'm a failure. You know what I mean? I'm in my mid thirties. This is so bad. Yeah. And truly he helps me let go and see that I had had a great career and I didn't love it anymore. And I love this other thing so much. Mm-hmm. And the thing is I help people because like, I loved what you said in the beginning where you're like the difference between health and wellness, because wellness is about balance and food is just one small part of it. And so many right. people who come to me initially and we get to the bot a month in, it's like the reason I'm eating this way, overeating, undereating, drinking too much, whatever it is that's causing me to feel poorly in my body, is because I don't like my job or I don't like my partner or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. And when I got when they we coach, I coach them into these new careers. It's so interesting when they're aligned and they're doing stuff they really love, 
it's not just me that the weird opportunities show up. Think, do you, I mean, you do this a lot and I'm sure you have. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, this is so huge. And there, there's two things I really want to dive into before we go any further. The first thing is I want to back up for a moment because one of the things that you brought up is that when you started doing this, you know, you did a lot for free. Yeah. Because you wanted to build your name and get your experience. You know, it's so interesting because when you wanted to start acting, you went to school yes. and school is a training ground where we learn this. And I think sometimes, you know, we go into business and we think it's just going to happen like that. And we forget. No, we've got to do our training ground, too. Yeah. Well, I love what you were saying because that's what I did too. Yeah. I did a lot of free trainings, a lot of lunch and learns, uh, you know, even now, you know, I, you know, I do a lot of free content, you know, even for the clients that I work with, you know, can I come in and speak to your group? Because you want to be able to give back and again, highlight. So I think that that was just, it's not really a question. I just wanted to really bring that awareness in that we have to remember. Sometimes we have to give before we can give. I think you always have to give. Always, mm -hmm. even at this level, oh. whenever I feel stagnant, I think about, and I feel like I don't have enough business coming in. I think about how can I give back more? Yeah. Whenever I'm stuck, I give, I give, I give. Exactly. Obviously not over giving and with capacity, I think it's important to charge what you're worth. Right. But whenever I can give to people who can't afford it or underprivileged or do something, it's answer energy moving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so many times I'll I'll reach out to someone and say, Oh, you know, hey, I know you're doing this. Can I ask you a couple of questions? And I almost always get, well, you know, I've got this program that you can sign up for. And I'm like, can you just answer my question? And so I'm always I, like, listen. If we can have a 10 minute conversation, I'm not going to charge you anything. If it turns into something more, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But again, it feels good. I, then, I will talk to anyone for 20 minutes. I yeah. say that. I will talk to anyone. I, I had so many people do that for me. Exactly. I have to empower people with information. Yeah. And then I want to go back because I think you hit on something really big and I'm not even sure if you know it, but you talked about this internal dialogue that you had of, I put so much time and effort. Oh, am I going to disappoint people? Are they yeah. going to think I'm a failure? Are they going to think I'm just giving up? And I have so many women that I've, you know, talked with and worked with that were doctors, attorneys in engineering or whatever. And they're like, you know, what are my parents going to think? What is my family going to think? And, you know, so talk with me a little bit, if you don't mind, because I know that you said you went through therapy, so you don't need to go in super in depth. But what were some of the things that helped you, you know, get over that sort of fear of disappointing others? Because you made that comment of it wasn't bringing you joy. Yeah. And that was a really hard pill to swallow because I think, you know, it's so interesting. We have these ideas, right, about what we want and who we are. And we develop them often when we're quite young. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting. Sometimes we just cling on to them so tightly and we are going to grow and have all these experiences, but we're clinging so tightly to this idea that we came up when we were like 13. Yeah. And I just was so laser focused, which, you know, in a lot of careers you have to be. So it was really interesting to have this. It was like a, my head and my heart were at odds. And my head was like, no, 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 we decided this. We decided this. We, this is what you do. And my heart was like, no, no, this is not doing it for me anymore. And it was, and there's a lot, especially as an actor, it's like you, it's one of the weirdest careers because everyone's like, well, what's your backup plan? And like, <laughs> you know, makes it and, da, 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 you know, there's a lot of that mm -hmm. stuff. So you have to like almost dig deeper and be like, no, I'm going to be the one, right? Because if I don't do it, you're all going to be like, I told you so. And you're all going to think I failed. And it was so interesting. The, the biggest gift I got from working with a the therapist was he was like, let's go through your actual career and let's objectively look at what happened. And it was like, I, I did do movies. I did do TV. I did do commercials. I did do plays. I did, you know, like I did the things that if you were to look and be like, what does an actor do? That's like a pro professional working actor. What's success? It's that. Did I become famous and win an Oscar? No, that is so few actors. And I think you have these lofty ideas, but it was really also the realization of like, I'm doing the career. I got it. It's not what I thought it would be. After a while, it's kind of a bummer. And really having to let go of my self-concept, my ego, and also zoom out and be like, I did it. I did it. I got the information I needed from doing it. Am I going to listen to me? 
and like my heart and what makes me happy, or I'm going to put more stock into what other people think when I'm the only one having this experience. Exactly. And I always try to remind people again, whether it's a career or a relationship, you know, back in the day, you know, people were only living yeah. until 50. So yeah. when they had a career or a marriage or whatever for 10 or 15 years, that was it. Yeah. You know, but again, we don't have to feel bad because after 15 years, we want to try something new. You know, that's okay. Like you said, I did it. And now let's try something else. And I, I'm just seeing, you know, so many women, you know, having that second career or pivoting and doing something different because they did do it. And again, now it's sort of, it's my time. And yeah. I'm at that place now because my son is grown. <clears throat> He's going off to college. So again, I'm having this resurgence of, you know, I can live anywhere and, you know, doing these things and, and really recreating it. You know, going back though, you know, you had mentioned some of the health issues you were having. I remember for me <clears throat> that day where I was driving to work and I said to myself, if I just got into an accident, maybe I would have to go to the hospital for a couple of days and nobody would bug me so I could actually sleep. Now, there were probably some signs before that. You know, I know that everybody is different, but could you like maybe even say, are there a couple signs that maybe we need to start paying attention to, to know yeah. that, hey, you need to call a timeout and maybe start researching a little bit because some something needs to change? Yeah, well, it, it kind of two parts to that. I know you mean, I had that moment. I remember I had booked probably the biggest commercial I'd ever, I was the star. They, the set was huge. It was a lot of money. There are lights everywhere. It was so funny. One of the camera guys was like, I hadn't run into for years. And he's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm the big star here. And he was like, what? Oh my God, congratulations. And the whole time it was fun. And I was like, oh, is it time to go home yet? And I was like, oh no. Mm. Oh, this is the thing that we love. This is like the dream you go after. I need to know. So when you start to realize like even the best parts of the thing that you used to look forward to and like, and you're like, um, is this done yet? Like, mm. you know, any sort of stagnation where it's not lighting you up anymore and you're starting to drag your feet. That's a very early well, or, or late. That's a, it's a good indication that you're not happy. But then it's interesting too, because we'll get more physical signs, right? Where, you know, often I get a lot of people who are bored at work, who gain weight because they're bored. So they're like, okay, how can I get away from my desk and like go get a Starbucks or I need a cookie or I, you know what I mean? I'm doing anything to get away from what I'm doing. And when you start just feeling the dread, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I believe we all have stuff that we can do that lights us up and it doesn't necessarily have, your job doesn't have to be the most amazing thing ever. But when you have a pit in your stomach and every day you're like, oh, you know what I mean? Where it's like, this is the thing I have to be doing. And you're not at least neutral. A lot of the time, that is a very early sign that like something needs to change. And maybe it doesn't have to be the whole profession. Right. You know what I mean? I, and when I work with people a lot, we get to the bottom of this, this it's like, what are the things I, I always am I'm big on lists. I'm like, what are the parts of your job that you really like? And maybe mm -hmm. it's just the community or showing up or you like the office or whatever it is. I'm like, what are the no's? What are the things you hate? And, and looking at that and starting to be like, how can I get more yeses or do more of these things that light me up? And then start to look around in my life. And I had this amazing, I ended up training um, after I did nutrition training, I ended up working really closely with this leadership and development coach. Because I found out in my late 20s, I'm coaching like middle-aged men into in, new careers because that's why they were gaining weight and stuff. So here I'm working with this woman and she said something that was really profound. She was like, what's the thing that you can't help doing all the time? Mm. And you really, and it was like, oh, I love deeply connecting to people. I love storytelling. I love making people feel good. I'm really good at feedback. I'm a really good listener. And I remember when I first started to work with her, I had still both, you know, I had my, I was, but I was still really clinging to acting. And she was, and she said something else that was so brilliant. She was like, what's, how do you define success? And I just had this narrow, I'm like, I want to be on like, essentially like friends. Like I want to be on a comedic show with an ensemble cast on tell like a Netflix or these are the, 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 and that's the only way I'll be happy. 
And she was kind of like, do you realize this is a very tiny, 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 narrow definition of success? And like, it may be hard to get there and you may never get there. Mm-hmm. What is it that you love about these things? And I was like, okay, community, connection, again, listening, storytelling, making people feel good. Yeah. And she was like, where else do you do that in your life? And I was like, ooh, also my coaching business, but mm-hmm. also category. And, and it, we, we zoomed out and looked at like, what are my natural innate gifts and tendencies? Yeah. And so to push me, she's like, what if you, and she called it your gifts, right? What if you just lived in your gifts all the time? Wouldn't you be so happy because you feel connected to what you do best and you're in the flow? And I was like, whoa. So I always encourage people when they start to feel really stagnant or frustrated, I'm like, what are the parts of it that you really like? And what mm-hmm. are the things that you do all the time when you're at Starbucks, when you're at a party, when you're in line at Target, you know what I mean? Like, where I am the person who's like, ooh, did you, oh, there's a discount on that. Or, you know what I mean? Where I, I like, love that. I love that what you're saying. And, you know, this is something that I do too, because, you know, focusing on productivity, we are more naturally productive when we do the things that make us happy. Yeah. And so I love this idea of really, again, thinking about, you know, what are the things that you enjoy most? Now, every job is going to have certain things that we don't enjoy. Yeah. But the idea is, again, list out the things that do light you up, acknowledge the things that don't, and try to delegate some of those things off. You know, for many of us, the things that we enjoy doing, especially for a coach, consultant, entrepreneur, we like to be more interacting. Very yeah. few of us got into the business to do the data entry. But you know what? There are some people who data entry lights them up. And what we want to do is let them have their joy so we can have more of our joy. So again, you know, really paying attention to that. And I love also when you went through this exercise, you know, with your person, you know, she asked you, what are the things that you love? And you talked about community, you know, helping others doing those and then asking, are there other areas that you can still get that? Yeah. without having to do the acting. So I think that's really good. You know, really for all of us, you know, if you're out there listening, it, you know, if you're feeling that drain, stop for a moment. And, I, you know, one of the things I always ask people to and say, you know, take that moment, you know, take a daily assessment. If you had to put sort of, you know, a face to share what is your level of excitement today, look at those. We're all going to have days where we don't feel good. We're all going to have days where we're like, I don't want to work today. But when you start to have multiple days, you got to pay attention to it because something needs to shift. I'm not saying you need to quit your job or do all of that or leave your marriage or whatever, but you need to pay attention because something needs to change. So I agree. No, and I always tell people in those situations too, like when you get clear on what you need more of, ask your boss. Like people don't ask enough, right? Where it's like, see if there's a way you can bring more in. Ask your partner, you know, like, do that first before you need to jump ship, go in and be like, Ooh, how can I get more of these things? Or how can I get more training? Or I'm more excited about this part of the business. Can we optimize that? Because often people say yes, actually. And so many people so are true. Oh, I, I just had that happen because, you know, another part of what I do is I work for a company called Ninja Selling and I've been doing a lot of the trainings and I was like, I kind of need a new challenge. And I said, is there more that I could take advantage of. And they said, well, you know, we're, we're looking at growing this aspect. Would you be interested in teaching these classes? And I'm like, yeah, sign me up. And it's like, you know, I could already even just feel my energy shift. It's not that I'm going to stop doing the other things, but sometimes we need that new challenge. And I love that, you know, go and talk with your peers or your boss and stuff and say, how can I get more of this? Um, you mentioned magnesium earlier, and you kind of talked about how that's something good. As an expert in this area, are there any other sort of superfoods or super things that you've seen? Again, I know everyone is different and we're all going to require different things, but are there maybe some go-to things that you recommend to most people that you've seen really helping them with their level of energy, productivity, focus, and all of that? It's going to be really basic and you're both all going to hate me. More green vegetables. If you... If oh, half, I know it's so boring, but 
it's really good for detoxification. It's really good for mood. It's really good for gut health. Basically, we want to take care of our guts because if our guts are happy, our brains are really happy. We're creative. We're like, there's such this connection we know now, which is so cool. And the favorite food for our microbiome is vegetables, colorful and green, especially. So the more of you, more of that you can put on your plate most of the day, the better you're going to feel. And the other hack is eating for blood sugar balance which is one of those, again, everyone's body is a little bit different, mm -hmm. but if you are eating in a way where your blood sugar is spiking and crashing throughout the day, what happens is your mood and your focus go with it. So if you're just doing coffee and very simple carbohydrates and a lot of extra sugar, and you don't have a lot of fat and protein and like fiber with it, you're doing this all day. By midday, you want to nap. You're, you're not focused. You feel kind of moody. So what I tell my clients and everyone's different. So you got to figure out how to work this for your body. But combining as much as possible at every meal and snack, mm -hmm. protein, fat, fiber, and green vegetables. And when yeah. you do that, you should stay full for about four to six hours when, once yeah. you figure out like how much fat and protein you need and just play around with that. And the thing is, not only it's, it's e easy to be stable, it's easy to be focused, it's easy to be emotionally regulated. You're not thinking about food. A lot of people don't realize they're eating things that aren't very filling. And then 20 minutes later, you have a crash, you're tired, and you're thinking about food again. Like yeah. for productivity, eating for blood sugar balance is one of the very best things. It is. And again, when you're on vacation and have fun and doing those, of course. again, doing that. And it's, you know, one of the things that I've noticed because I've been, you know, paying attention because I'm very go, go, go. And, you know, for a big while, it was don't eat the carbs. And we have to remember one moderation and there is a difference. Like you said, the vegetables and stuff, they have carbohydrates. What I yes. noticed for me, because I usually get up and I exercise and doing that, when I was cutting my carbs, that's when I was having my big crashes. Yeah. So again, learning the times of days, like yep. I'll, I'll have more in the morning than at night, but yep. also the types. And then another big thing for me, so simple again, staying hydrated. Yeah, you know, when I don't yeah. drink water. I get fuzzy brain, you know, yeah. I get more tired. So again, you know, this is where again, also keeping a journal. And even though I work with people more on the business side, obviously, life and business always come together. Yeah. And you know, if you're noticing that you're always losing steam, pay attention. I do think some of us are more inclined to work great better in the morning than at yeah. night. But again, that's different than your energy levels and paying yeah. attention to those. Because sometimes, I, you know, sometimes it'll get to be around 1130 or noon and I'm kind of like, oh, I'm tired. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but I was also up at 5 a.m. So I've yeah. already put in an entire day. So it's OK if I go and take an hour and a half break, you yeah. know, So, you, but you've got to track these and measure them and start to do it. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting that we're, you know, we're doing this. So yeah, carbs are not the enemy. I just want to always say that they yeah. really aren't. Naked carbs alone can sometimes cause problems depending on your metabolism, but carbs are never the enemy. You have to figure out and what you said is really important. Everyone's incredibly different. So it's your job to, you can't listen to other people. You can try things, but see how you feel. And whenever I start to work with people, I tell people, okay, we're going to play around with things like diet, but I want you when you're playing around with your diet, not only looking at like, you know, how you physically feel afterwards, but like how you're sleeping, what's your skin, what's your energy level like, how, what's your mood like, what, where is their clarity and creativity? Start paying attention to all of those things because every choice you make, whether it's food, exercise, some people need to nap in the day, some people don't, some people in the morning, just figure out what works. You're the only one who knows what? you're the expert. You have yeah. to listen to your body. And, and I think that's really huge going back to, you know, defining success on your terms, because that's yeah. something you brought up early on is you were seeking out answers. You yes. were like, I need help with this. You were yes. doing the right things, but everyone kind of kept shutting you down. And what a lot of people do is that's when they go to the quick fixes, but yeah. you didn't do that. You forged ahead and you said, I know there's something different. And I think that's, again, a true champion is whether it's searching for a new career, doing something, you knew there was something wrong. You knew there was something that didn't work and you kept going and forging through to find a solution that would work for you. Yeah, it was. And it was interesting, too, because looking back, I was like in my 20s, I was like, how did I have the guts really to do that? Right. Mm -hmm. But like when you know, you know, and I think a big the biggest part of the work I do with people is really empowering them to listen to that. Like you actually do know best. 
And when you can be brave enough to sit and be quiet and really check in, which is why, again, I love meditation, bring it full circle, right? When you can spend a little bit of time every day checking in with like how I feel, does this feel good? You know, what's coming up for me and trust that you know what's best, especially if you're taking care of yourself. Absolutely. So speaking of, again, forging our own path, creating success on our terms, sometimes we also have to have a little courage. And one of the things that you've done is part of you defining success on your term was actually moving. So tell us a little bit about where you're living right now and how you brought that into part of your world. Sure. That's a very fun story. Um, so I live in Lisbon, Portugal right now since February. And again, it was one of those funny things that one thing led to another, right? Where as an actress, you in my brain, you could only live in New York or LA. So I lived in New York for 14 years. I moved to Los Angeles, then the pandemic hit and I was there and I was like, wait a minute, this makes no sense because it was the summer. I grew up in Maine. My parents have a house in Maine. Like we were all kind of like, what are we doing? So I ended up on the wrong side of 35 living with my parents for a little while which felt it was like it was an interesting moment because it was at the same time where i'm like am i giving up acting like what happened i just got divorced so i was like this is like a hard reboot for my life um and it was actually really really wonderful and like i did not ever expect to spend that much time with my parents in my 30s it was like a really beautiful gift but during that time i had reconnected with this boyfriend that i dated in my early 20s in new york who is english and he you know, over the months we started talking, he's like, do you want to come stay with me? So it ended up kind of taking a, a crazy leap of faith during the pandemic and like moving to England. We ended up living in London. I was there for two years and I just completely fell in love with it. And we broke up. It was a, it was a very beautiful, but very like pandemic -y relationship. Mm -hmm. And when everything opened up again, it was sort of like, oh, our lives are different, very different when you involve everything else. And so I was planning to go back to LA, but I had changed and changed and grown so much and living in the UK and traveling a little bit in Europe, it was like, whoa, there's a really big world out there. And I'm someone who really loves to explore and learn new things and have new experiences. Going back to the US seemed really stagnant. I remember I flew back and I just immediately, and again, makes no sense, right? Here I am, you know, telling you to listen to yourself. I got back and I was like, I just don't want to be here and I don't know why. Yeah. And I, but then I didn't know where I wanted to live and I was kind of panicked and I was like, whoa, what's happening? Like, this is so crazy. And I had spent a couple of weeks in Paris right before I came back, because when you live in London, you can take the train there. It's very convenient. And I was like, well, if I'm not going to be living over here anymore, and Paris is one of my favorite cities, I'm just going to, you know, go. So the best sort of closing out of that, mm -hmm. that two years in Paris, had the loveliest time, flew back to the East Coast and was like, open a vein. I do not want to be here. I don't know where I want to live. Like I'm single. I live anywhere. And I just remember, and then weirdly enough, as life would have it, I started getting really allergic to the mold at my parents' house. And I was staying, I was going to stay there for the summer. So I like couldn't even be there. So all of a sudden it was like pushing me out. And I just was like in sort of a panic. I was like, if I needed to spend money on rent anywhere in the world, if I can work remotely, what would be fun to me? And I was like, Paris. So I literally that night got on Airbnb, looked for long-term stays, and I found one apartment in the neighborhood I wanted, the exact price range I was looking for, for the dates I wanted. And the woman had lived near me in New York, I found out. Mm. I found out afterwards, like she'd owned this apartment. So it was really wild. So it just sort of felt like one of those moments. And I had never really, you know, I'd been in relationships a lot. I hadn't really traveled alone, I'd lived abroad alone. So I was like kind of terrified. Mm -hmm. So I essentially booked this Airbnb for two months and was like, okay, well, I'm just going to have two months in Paris and like try to get some clarity on what I want and figure it out. And it was like, you know, I was grieving this breakup. It was like this very like eat, pray, love, sad girl moment in Paris drinking wine, but also like delightful. And by the end of the two months, I had made some friends. There were some expats. I had some connections. So I was like, I guess maybe I guess I'll live here. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> totally like the right thing. But I was like, I don't know. I guess I live in Paris now. And oh, I love it. I was trying to extend my lease and I couldn't because the apartment was booked. And I had a gap because one of my best friends was getting married in Tuscany at a month. And I remember my dad being like, don't come back here. Like, go travel more, go somewhere else. And two of my friends had been in Portugal recently. And one um, was from the UK and was going to buy land here. And he kept being like, go, go, go. It's so amazing. And I remember 
I was kind of like, by then I was like a little braver. I was like, oh, I do two months of Paris. I can travel by myself. Like I'm going to grow. I'm apparently a grown up. Who knew? And so I get to, I get to Lisbon and I didn't even like my Airbnb. And I remember I stepped out in the street to go find dinner. And I just, it was like electric. I was like, wait, I really love this place. There are elements of Brooklyn where I used to live. There are elements of Los Angeles. There's like a lot of big expat community. And I, I had one contact and within a weekend, I met all of these other people who had moved from places like Canada and the UK and all over Europe who are in wellness, who are open and really inviting. And I kept coming in and out of Lisbon and making all these new friends. And it was so interesting because at the end of it, I was like, am I moving to Portugal? Yeah, <laughs> I love it. So the end of my visa, because as an American, unless you have a specific visa, you can only spend three months in the whole Schengen re region. So all of the EU. So at the end of my EU stay. I went back to London for a little while. And then I went back to my parents' house briefly to like regroup. And I remember I was like, well, Paris has these things, but Lisbon and I go back to try to go back to London and I was triangulating. And I remember I talked to this one friend that I had made and she was like, listen, I lived in Paris. It's a drag. You don't want to do it. It's totally like, it's hard to make friends, blah, 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 blah. She like talked me out of that. And she goes, you know, you love London. So it's always an option. You liked Lisbon. Why don't you just give it a try for like six months? It was, it was going to be the cheapest of the options. It was going to be really good weather. She was like, if you hate it, just leave and go to London. And I was like, what a concept. You can I know it's everything that we've just been talking about. If it doesn't bring you joy, then you leave. But and such a crazy happened. Yeah. Afterwards, I remember being like, okay. I'm really going to think about this. And I never do this because I was so, I was kind of scared and overall, never do this. I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask for a sign. <laughs> and it was so funny because then I was like, okay, I'll do it later after I'm like done with my client work. So I don't ask for a sign. I forget the next morning I get an email forwarded from my dad, from our neighbor. That was a Washington post article about a new digital nomad visa for Portugal starting in three weeks. And I was like, and he, he didn't have any idea that I would, he just knew that I'd been there. He didn't. And I was like, okay, I guess it's Portugal. I guess that's the visa. And, and that's where, again, it kind of comes full circle of lean in, you know, you know, you know, you yeah. said this just a few minutes ago, you know yourself better, whether it's food, wellness, job, career, anything, listen to yourself. So I just think that is beautiful. And I know that our talk today is really going to inspire you know, all people, not just the women, you know, to again, go for it, you know, to yes. really again, trust their intuition. Now, I know that we've been going for um, about 45 minutes, but I have two more questions. That's that I fine. Ask all the time. You have such great energy. You are so fun <laughs> to talk to. Like I can do this. I can talk to you forever and I really want to come visit you. So keep that. Oh, oh my God. Come um, to the is a dream. Yeah. Well, um, I know that you had mentioned, I'm going to throw your Instagram handle up here because that's where you said you hang out most. But tell us briefly, you know, what is something that you're working on right now? So right now I'm in mid-launch of my fall program. It's the last one I'll do this year. It is a three-month program for women. Once a week, you get group calls. There's some one-on-ones and it's focused on healing and optimization, basically the mind-body connection. So the first month we really look at the body. We look at really individualized nutrition. I give you the latest in science. We look at blood sugar. We look at hormones. We look at gut health to get you optimized. And then the second month, your brain is sharp as all hell. It's very exciting. And then you get really present to where your limiting beliefs are, you know, what, where you're getting in your own way, what you're afraid of, where you're playing small. And we start to unpack and reprogram stuff. So there's, I bring in some neuroscience and some mindfulness. And by the end of the third month, you have all of these great new habits. And it's, it's exactly what we talked about earlier. Cause people are like, how much time commitment is this? And I'm like, it's actually not much. We're just making small incremental changes yeah. in your life in areas you already eat, you already sleep, you already move your body, mm -hmm. but we find out what's the best for you. And really at the end of it, I get you very deeply connected to what we've been talking about this whole time is your innate knowing, right? You're, you know, that calling that your soul has that, you know, you might be afraid of. And, you know, talking about the, the Portugal thing, like I was terrified and excited, like equal parts. Yeah. And it, a lot of what I get people to do by the end of it is get really clear on what they want, what they love, what they want to be doing. And then giving them the courage to step through that fear because everything you want always, I see this time and time again with my own life, with all my clients is on the other side of that fear. Oh, so really yeah. 
people to that. It is really beautiful. It ends up being a really beautiful community. I have women who are now best friends that like fly across the US. I've met some of my clients here. They've come over and it's this really big, beautiful community around really love and acceptance, optimization, healing, really learning to listen and love your body so you can create a life that you really love. Oh my God. That's so amazing. I love that. What, what a true gift. And again, it's just about living with intention, you know, and that's something that I speak on too, is again, when you live with intention, everything else starts to to move and groove the way it is. So, you know, we talked a little bit in the beginning about, you know, getting our vision together, you know, growing up, doing the right things and all of those, where you're sitting today, looking at your life now with all the things that you've learned, how do you define success? For yourself today oh well that makes me want to cry because when you just said that because i i like thought about me even five years ago and where i am now it's i feel just really proud of myself because i think success is the ability to live authentically as you mm -hmm. to know what you want to not be afraid to do it or to do it scared right to really be connected to the things that you love and to try things, even if you fail to, to learn and succeed in those and, you know, to, to take, you know, lessons from those things. I think success is the ability to be you unapologetically. And somehow I've done that. That is so beautiful. And, you know, Leanna, I just want to acknowledge you, you know, you and I were connected by a mutual friend and, you know, just even in our time together, I, you know, you mentioned my energy. I feel the same with you. And oh, you. one of the things that I really connect with you so much on is this concept of giving. And, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like, you know, you're a giving sister with me yeah. in that I can tell even when you talk about this, you light up from the inside out. And I truly believe that you have found your purpose. And I just want to acknowledge you so much because you you really are here to do nothing more than make the world a better place by tapping people in to who they truly are. And you're not here to take anything. And it's rare that you find someone who genuinely is coming from that place where they want nothing more than to help others. So yeah. thank you so much for what you're doing. And for those of you that are watching, you know, please make sure to reach out and follow Leanna. You know, if you can take her program, what a tremendous gift to end the year and start your next year on a journey to unleash yourself. And again, do it unapologetically and to do it all on your terms. And that's what we talk about here. We are talking about women winning their way, where it is all about creating success your way and on your terms. I'm Clara Capano. Thanks for watching. Take 30 seconds to like, follow, subscribe, and make sure that you are sharing these episodes with other women so that we can create true impact on a global level. Until next time, have a great day.